Good evening and welcome to the Halloween special of the Feminization Boudoir from Candy Apple Press. I'm your host, Kylie Gable. And today we have four chilling Halloween-themed tables of female domination and feminization. Did I say tables? Of course I meant tales. All four have been written by myself and the other writers of Candy Apple Press, and today all have been recorded by Mistress DJ. I actually didn't plan to make this an all-Mistress DJ show, but... um. I created a new aud- a new script for an audio, which she just recorded, and some of the older ones, which were horror-based as well, well, or Halloween-based, I should say, uh, she had recorded also, so when I put it all together, it was four episodes, or four audios, with Mistress DJ providing the voiceover. The first story is a new one, and it's, I'm going to admit, not one of my better ones. Normally, these stories that I publish are stories that have been, um, well, they were out in in ebook form, and they've been out for maybe a few months, maybe a couple of years. This particular one was kind of a rush job I did because of Halloween approaching. And while I think the story's a really good one, and it's a great scenario, um, the problem is the, um, (laughs) the tense switches quite a bit. And I'm going to just go on record as saying, that's my fault. That is not Mistress DJ. I think you'll enjoy it, but just beware that there is a little bit of a tense jump in here. It should all be done in uh, first person, and it winds up going into third. And so, the first story is called Jamie Lee. Okay. from J- Named after Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. And it's a story that I think you'll enjoy, read by Mistress DJ. The Halloween Tale of Jamie Lee, written by Kylie Gable, read by Mistress DJ, and published by Candy Apple Press, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. I had set you up perfectly. Even you had to admit that you'd been outmaneuvered, outthought, and completely outwitted. I had baited a hook with a few rumors and a touch of sex appeal, and poor sap that you are you foolishly bit. You were going to lose your job. There was a very good chance you'd be spending some considerable time in prison. They act like there's some big difference between white-collar prison and blue-collar prison, but it's still just prison, a place where the price for dropping the soap could be quite painful, if not life-altering. Harrington Trask had hired you straight out of business school, and by age 26, you had a corner office and were considered one of the whiz kids of Wall Street. Two years later, they hired me at the age of 24. I was friendly at first, but neither one of us was used to second place. Our competitive natures got the better of us, and we waged a dirty war of attrition. When Hal Grayson finally retired, we were in direct competition for his spot on the board. Whoever secured it would be set for life, but the loser would have to leave the firm rather than face their biggest competitor as their new boss. That suited me just fine. The one advantage that you had over me was your masculinity. Wall Street is still an old boys club. You could participate in our weekly basketball game at our private gym and drink with the bigwigs after work. I decided that I had to remove that advantage if I was to have any hope at all of securing my promotion. 
I remember the first time you saw me at the gym. I was playing for Fetterman's team and nearly broke your ankle on a crossover dribble. The look on your face when you learned I was a Division Three All-American point guard at Johns Hopkins was priceless. Afterwards, I came out drinking with you, just another one of the boys. Your masculine advantage was now completely gone. Soon, your masculinity would follow. I steadily built up my status as an alpha, while subtly diminishing you. It was corporate infighting at its best. Nothing personal, just business. But damn good business. I even volunteered to put on the annual skit at the company picnic in September, and then had you tabbed to play a teenage scream queen like Jamie Lee Curtis in our Halloween spoof. It was such a beautiful ploy that left you absolutely no choice, having to either look like you weren't willing to pitch in and be a team player, or appearing in front of everybody in a slutty and very feminine costume. I'm still not sure which would have been the better option, but you naturally chose the second and then had to listen for weeks afterwards about what a hot girl you'd made, or could make. That's when you started getting desperate. Too many meetings had some not-so-subtle comments about you allowing clients to take you out as Jamie Lee, were dismissed as good-natured ribbing, but made me look both ineffectual and ridiculous. There's an old saying that if you sling enough mud, some of it will stick. You knew that you were losing this game, and you needed something to seriously boost your credibility back up again. You finally gambled on a merger rumor with money you didn't have. When it didn't happen, you made things worse by trying to cover yourself and you had to use more money that wasn't yours to cover the loss, and inevitably left a trail. It was practically a homing beacon that led right to my door. I didn't even need to pounce on it. I knew I had you, and took delight in toying with you the way a cat toys with a mouse. It was laughable just how easily I'd played you, knowing how desperate you'd become. I had created the false rumor, sat back and watched as you jumped in with both feet, then dug yourself even deeper by trying to extricate yourself. Now, scant hours before they decided which of us got the promotion, I had you in an unused conference room, sealing your fate with the ineluctable threat of prison hanging over you and making you very compliant. Quit fidgeting and look up at the ceiling, I demanded as I began to apply dark eyeliner to the lower part of your left eye. This is going to ruin me, you moaned. No, prison would do that. This is going to save your job and your cute little ass. Now hold still. Look, you win, okay? I'll just withdraw my name from the consideration, you pleaded. Sorry, Steve, but I simply can't leave any potential rivals wounded. I have to take you out of the game completely. It's nothing personal. The hell it's not. Well, all right, maybe it is. You could have welcomed me when I came here, but instead, you decided to sabotage me. I could have lived with that, but when you started leaving badly photoshopped X-rated pictures of me in the lunchroom... You sealed your own fate. You knew that was me, he asked sheepishly. In any case, you're turning out even better than at the picnic. Come on, pucker up, and I think you're about ready for showtime. It had been decided by our department that we would all dress as firefighters. It was kind of insulting, really. The point we were trying to make was that we were always putting out other departments' fires. Way to build corporate culture of teamwork. We never went all out for Halloween, so our costumes mostly consisted of hats. Not you, however. I found the perfect costume for you. The costume was called Miss Red Hot, and it was basically a sexy female firefighter. You would be wearing sexy black boots with a four-inch heel, fishnet stockings, and a garter belt. 
a white t-shirt, and a black suspender dress. Of course, you would be plenty stacked with padding and chicken cutlets in your bra. In fact, the only thing about your costume that was like everybody else's was the fireman's hat you sported on top of your long blonde wig. Your choices were to humiliate yourself in front of your bosses and pray to God you didn't lose your job, or else guaranteed prison time, scandal, and the end of a brilliant but brief young career if you disobeyed me. Exactly 30 minutes after I'd left, you slunk out of the conference room and put a big smile on my face and burst through the door to the office Halloween party. Oh my God, I think Jamie Lee is back, I exclaimed, covering my mouth and trying to look shocked. The rest of the room was surprised by your appearance in the costume that would have looked ridiculously inappropriate on any of the women in the office. On you, it was jaw-dropping. You made a beeline for our boss, and standing behind his chair, you put your arms around him, and then began in your breathiest, most seductive Marilyn Monroe imitation, asked, Is it hot in here? Or is it just me? As you continued your faux seduction of our boss, the room was a mix of nervous laughter and stunned silence, with a few pitying looks thrown in. Very good, said Fetterman, laughing nervously and pulling away. Why don't you go change and then come back for a caramel apple? Oh, this is comfortable enough, Mr. Fetterman. I'm glad you liked it, you said, picking up an apple by the stick and licking the caramel off in a way that was almost obscene. You were already under strict instructions from me that you had better not make any attempt to remove even a stitch or clean off any of your makeup before the end of the workday. Of course, with me confiscating your suit, you really didn't have a choice anyway. When they did finally announce that you didn't get the promotion and that they'd gone with me, you weren't the least bit surprised, though as tears welled up in your eyes, you worried that your mascara would run. My first order of business was to tell you that I wanted to meet with you bright and early at 7 o'clock Monday morning. You knew that your days at Harrington Trask were numbered, so you started making phone calls to headhunters and contacts to find a landing spot. You fully expected me to fire you at that meeting. You even went back to your office on Saturday to pick up some personal things and make a few more calls. Working weekends wasn't unusual for you, and you figured there was a very good chance that this would be one of those clean-out-your-desk-in-15-minute things with the security guard standing behind you watching everything you did. You dressed for work as usual on that Monday, but you made no special effort to impress me. What would be the point? That ship had sailed, and sunk, a long time ago. It wasn't like you even wanted to work for me anyway. You spent Sunday polishing up your resume and calling a few more old contacts. When Monday morning finally did come, and you went into the meeting with me in my new office, you knew you were in for it. I wore a purple suit that was at once feminine and also professional. But I also wore a predatory smile that made you feel like a zebra, meeting with a hungry lioness before being devoured. Good morning. I trust you had a pleasant weekend? Well, actually... Good, good. I did, too, I interrupted. This new job comes with lots of responsibilities, you know. So, did you call me in here to gloat? You've already told me you wouldn't leave me around as a rival, so I started looking for a new job. That won't be necessary. In fact, the non-compete agreement that we had to sign when we started working here makes that a very bad option, I explained. That won't hold up when you fire me, you bitch, you replied with some vehemence. Temper, princess, I smirked. Besides, I'm not going to fire you. Because you know without me all my clients will bolt. Actually, no. I've already talked to most of them and they're more than happy to continue with this. So fire me already, you demanded. 
Oh, no. I had something else in mind. But you're right. I'm not going to leave you as a rival. You're going to keep working for us in a different position. And add a bit of a pay reduction, of course, I've heard. I'm not going to take a pay cut or walk around here defeated so everybody can point at me and whisper about what a joke I am behind my back. Well, that's good, because you won't be up here. You'll be going down to the secretarial pool, I said. The hell I will! Your choice. However, your only other option is prison, I reminded you. Prison? You're not serious, you stammered. You knew with the information I had, it would be quite easy to convict you. I'll get you soap on a rope as a goodbye gift if you're serious about leaving. But I'll be a freak. I don't want to be a male secretary, you pleaded. Then I do believe you're in luck. (laughs) I said laughing in a way that sent a chill down the back of your spine. Oh, no, you stammered. That's right, Jamie Lee, I said. You'll start tomorrow, but you have an appointment in an hour with the woman who does my hair. I think this will be the best Halloween ever. Happy Halloween from Candy Apple Press. Claudia's Erotic Tales by Kylie Gable and Claudia Costa. Claudia's Erotic Tales are published by Candy Apple Press. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. For mature audiences only, all characters are above the legal age. Sissy Halloween Encounter I can tell you think that you're clever. You think because that it's Halloween, nobody would ever look at you twice simply because you're a grown man dressed as Snow White. You were even brazen enough to grab the sexy Snow White costume. You didn't bother with the traditional princess look when you could go straight to slut. I kind of admired that in a sissy. I looked at the way your hairless legs were nearly fully exposed by that short yellow skirt that came with the costume. I could see your bare thighs peeking out over the white stockings encasing your legs. The red garters and the lace stocking tops were such a naughty little touch. There were so many things that gave you away and separated you from a real man just dressing up on a lark. For one thing, those ruby slippers you were wearing had a very thin four-inch heel that would render most women helpless, but you maneuvered in them like a seasoned showgirl. Your costume showed enough skin to let me know that you were hairless. No real man would do that to themselves for a Halloween costume. Then there were the more subtle giveaways that I always notice. You smelled divine. I think you are wearing Cacherelle, yes I am. That name couldn't have been more on the nose, could it? That's the perfume where the bottle looks like a giant tube of lipstick, and even as perfumes go, it's unmistakably very feminine. You wore it well, but most guys don't even think about a scent when they're putting together the Halloween costume. It's not that you had very obvious breast forms so much as the way you used makeup to blend them into your real skin. It made it look like you were exposing considerable cleavage. And who knows, maybe someday you will be. Come to think of it, all your makeup was impeccable. I don't feel like I'm sliding myself to say your makeup was done better than mine. I wonder if you hired somebody or asked a friend. If you did your own makeup, you could go pro with those skills. I wondered if my costume might have been a little too last year. I was dressed as Wonder Woman, and that movie, it was a year and a half old. My costume, though, was based on the comic book rather than the movie, and frankly, none of the guys at the party were complaining about seeing me in a bustier and short shorts. 
Honestly, it was more of a lifestyle choice than a costume. I sauntered over to you like I owned that room. My high-heeled boots were echoing off the floor as I approached you. As I snaked my arm around your neck, and I lashed your hands behind your back, we drew quite a lot of interest from the other guests. But you weren't struggling. I knew you wouldn't. Now that you were helpless, we were going to have a night of fun that neither one of us would ever forget. As I led you down the hallway to the empty bedroom, I whispered in your ear, I'm Claudia. Pegging Sue by Kylie Gable and Claudia Costa. Pegging Sue is published by Candy Apple Press. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. The fog was creeping over Route 11 when Jared Hogan dropped off his girlfriend Nadine at her home on the outskirts of town. She was getting to be such a drag lately. He was a man, and he had needs. She should give in at least sometimes. Instead, she just turned him on and left him hanging. Once again, he was nursing a pair of blue balls. He grumbled as he pulled into the left lane to rush home and relieve his growing tension. In the distance, his headlights revealed a lithe figure hitchhiking. As he got closer, he slowed his Toyota and slipped into the right lane to take a better look. You just didn't see hitchhikers that much in Brookhaven anymore, and you never saw girls like this one. Jared slammed on the brakes and turned off the radio. He knew the hair metal station he listened to was not going to impress a girl like this. He eased to a stop about five feet from the young woman. She was a beautiful blonde girl, about twenty-one, just like him. As Jared studied her more closely in the dim light, he realized that the way she was dressed was seriously out of date. Her honey-colored hair was in a ponytail, held in place by a large white ribbon. She wore a white cardigan sweater and a pink poodle skirt. Her feet sported a pair of pink pumps, but there was no hiding her figure or her face. Hey, my name is Jared, he called out through the passenger's side window. Hop in. It's a nasty night out. I'll give you a lift. Thanks. I'm Sue, chirped the bubbly blonde, hopping inside and closing the door behind her. Are you coming from a Halloween party? Gosh, no, she replied. Do I look that ghastly? I'm coming from a dance. Heavens no, I think you look amazing. I mean, you're just dressed kind of old-fashioned. I guess so, she said. Fashion really isn't my thing, though I try to read fashion magazines whenever I'm at the beauty parlor. I'm the same way, said Jared. <laughs> Not about the beauty parlor, but the way I figure it. If it's comfortable, then wear it. You're funny, she said. I like that. Where am I taking you, asked Jared. Oh, just follow this road, then take a left. Jared liked this girl. She appeared lively and enthusiastic in a way that his girlfriend wasn't. She seemed really interested in what he had to say. Nadine didn't seem to care anymore. Sue certainly didn't give off a promiscuous vibe, but... Jared got the sense she'd do things to please her man. Not his girlfriend. Nadine had hardened fast limits that she wouldn't cross for any man. 
The fog had given way to the kind of autumn storm that only people in New England understand. It was a driving rain, but even worse, the wind felt like it was threatening to cut right through to your bones. Night had fallen hard, and only the headlights and the old wiper blades allowed the car to amble its way along the small old country roads that Sue was leading him down. It sure is a nasty night, said Jared. I'm so glad you came along, replied Sue. It probably wasn't very smart of me to storm off. From your boyfriend? Not anymore, she replied. Do you have a girlfriend? No, lied Jared. If things worked out with Sue, maybe he'd upgrade from Nadine, he thought. Can you put on the radio, she asked him, moving in closer and snuggling against his body. Sure. But we can change the station, he said, putting on the radio and being astonished that there was no warrant or winger forthcoming. Instead, it was a 1950s rockabilly song. He was pretty sure the artist was Buddy Holly, but he didn't know enough to be sure. That's odd, said Jared. This is supposed to be a hair metal station. Well, I think I like this better, replied Sue. You like oldies, asked Jared. I don't really know what an oldie is. Music that's more than a couple months old, replied Jared. Turn left here. It's the third house on your right. The one with the nice porch? That's it, replied Sue. Jared pulled his car in front of the house, splashing most of a large puddle onto the front lawn. Wow, this storm keeps getting heavier and heavier, observed Jared. Why don't you come inside until it blows over? You shouldn't be driving in this kind of weather anyway. Jared would be the first to tell you driving through the rain was preferable to getting caught out in it, but he really wasn't thinking about that. He was eager to get to know Sue better, so he said, Sure, let's make a run for it. They sprinted out of the car and up to Sue's front porch. She did an admirable job of running in heels on wet pavement, but she fumbled for the keys. They both got drenched as they stood in the downpour before she finally threw open the front door and they rushed inside. We're soaked, declared Jared. I know, replied Sue. Why don't you put on a record, and I'll slip into something more comfortable. A record? asked Jared. Yeah, the hi-fi is over in the corner. I've got a pretty big collection. Sure, said Jared. Sure enough, inside the polished wooden cabinet were a couple dozen records and fifty or sixty singles. He looked at the LPs and saw names like Bobby Darren, Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly, and Roy Orbison. He grabbed an Orbison record. It was called At the Rock House. It was nearly sixty years old. This girl sure had interesting taste in music. Jared listened to the music coming from the record. It wasn't really his cup of tea, but it wasn't unpleasant either. Plus, it was a love song, and that was probably a better idea right now than screaming guitars. He looked around the house and noticed the place looked strangely dated. There were magazines on the coffee table, and they were all from 1962. The pictures on the walls appeared to be of the same vintage, and the television looked like some kind of antique. Roy Orbison? That's a good choice, said Sue, emerging from the bathroom wearing a fluffy pink bathrobe. That was not what Jared had hoped she would change into, but it was a step in the right direction. We need to get you some dry clothes, too, she offered. I'm all right, replied Jared. Nonsense. You're shivering. I don't want you catching a cold on my account. And I'm sure I could find something that would fit you in the basement. Don't go away. 
Are you sure? Positive, she said, as she practically skipped down the stairs. Jared was cold and wet. Maybe some dry clothes would be a good idea. He stood shivering in the living room, waiting for the strange girl to return. Then he sat on the couch and began flipping through the old magazines, but soon grew bored. He looked for the remote control to turn on the television, but couldn't find it. Finally, after twenty minutes, he made his way to the basement door. Standing at the top of the steps, he called down, Hey, did you find anything? The basement was dark. Only the lightning outside provided any kind of light. It didn't look like a finished basement, either. Jared listened at the top of the steps, but couldn't hear anyone. Sue? Are you down there? he called out, but received no response. Carefully, Jared descended into the basement. Hello? Anybody there? As the lightning struck again, Jared glimpsed what looked like a human figure standing in the corner of the basement. Sue? he called out while approaching. Jared caught sight of a single light bulb hanging from the ceiling and pulled down on the small chain connected to it. The bulb was only about a thirty watt, and it produced very little light, but it was still enough to see by. Getting a better look at the figure in the corner, he could see it was Sue from her pink bathrobe and ponytail. "'You scared me there,' said Jared. She turned around slowly. Her eyes appeared bright red in the dim light. Hanging from her waist was the largest strap-on dildo he had seen in his life. Jared stumbled backward. "'Hello, Jared. I've been waiting for you.' said Sue, her voice now coarse like sandpaper. You, you were going to find something to fit me, stammered Jared. And so I have, said Sue, motioning to her dildo. No, cried Jared, racing for the stairs, but she was on him before he took a couple of steps. She was supernaturally fast. When she caught him, she grabbed him and turned him to face her. She kissed him deeply on the lips and forced her tongue into his mouth. It felt cold and rough. As her mouth clamped on his, Jared could feel the breath being drawn from his lungs. He couldn't breathe, and he was growing weaker and weaker. Soon he'd passed out. Jared came too slowly. He was dressed in clothes just like Sue had been wearing when he picked her up. Pink poodle skirt, blouse, and a pink cardigan with pink pumps on his feet. He could feel a bra strap digging into his shoulders, and knew that his makeover had gone all the way down to his underwear. His face was heavily made up, and his hair had been put into a loose ponytail that was unmistakably feminine. His ankles were bound to the back legs of a sturdy wooden chair. He was bent over the back of the chair, and his wrists were tightly bound to the front legs. He struggled, but got nowhere. He was bound fast. Upstairs, he heard a new record starting up on the player. The volume was much louder, and would probably cover any screams he might make. He was pretty sure it was the same song he had heard coming from his radio earlier. Judging by the light outside, he had not been unconscious for very long. As he could hear the sound of Sue's heels on the wooden stairs, he pulled furiously on the ropes, but to no use. "'Hello, little darling. I hope I didn't keep you too long,' called out Sue. "'What are you doing? I don't like this,' complained Jared. "'Really?' Aren't you the one who always wanted Nadine to be more sexually adventurous? Isn't this adventurous enough for you? Oh, God, this isn't what I mean, protested Jared. Wait, how do you know Nadine? I know lots of things, chuckled Sue. She moved behind Jared. 
He could soon feel her smearing something cold on his ass. Oh, God, no! Keep that thing out of my ass! Even as Jared protested, Sue was lining him up. His hole was still tight, and the 18-inch strap-on was roughly the size and the width of a forearm. For Jared, it felt like she was going right through him. He screamed out, which only made her laugh. It was a shrill cackle that sent chills through him like a dentist drill. She kept up a steady rhythm and rode him hard. He could feel her weight on his back, and he could feel her breath on the back of his neck. It wasn't warm like a person's breath should be. It felt like a cold November wind chilling his whole body. Despite his struggles, she had no trouble pounding away steadily, driving the whole dildo deeper and deeper into his ass. Almost mercifully, Jared finally passed out from the pain. Even as he was losing consciousness, he could hear Sue laughing. When Jared awoke, it was morning. He might have believed it was all a nightmare, except for he was still wearing the ridiculous old-fashioned feminine outfit. His poodle skirt had ridden up to his waist, exposing his panties. He was lying in the backyard of a derelict and abandoned house. Could that have been where he was last night? It certainly had looked much different back then. Climbing up to his feet, he suddenly became aware of just how opened up he'd been by the mysterious girl with the massive dildo. He wasn't even walking right anymore. The grass was moist and his heels sunk into the wet lawn. His car was gone, so he had no real choice but to attempt to walk home, or at least to the town center where he could try to get help. Jared took one last look at the house. It didn't look anything like he remembered from last night. Surely he would have remembered if the front stairs were so torn up. He raced up them in the pouring rain, after all. It was just before seven in the morning by now, and it was kind of cold. His sheer silky stockings did little to shield Jared's legs from the cold autumn wind. Sue had led him down several old roads, and even though Brookhaven wasn't very large, he felt thoroughly lost. He was pretty sure that walking west would eventually take him back to town. He had only walked a few blocks when he'd heard a police car siren behind him. He stopped and turned to look at the car, which was pulling over behind him. "'Are you all right, miss?' asked the officer. Colleen Tracy, according to her name tag, as she stepped out of the cruiser. Jared stood there mute as Officer Tracy moved in for a closer look. Sir, are you all right? I think so, he replied reflexively. I stopped you because you looked like you were in distress. Are you getting back from a Halloween party? asked Officer Tracy. No, I was assaulted and dressed like this, he replied. Get in my car, she said. We need to get you checked out for any injury. What happened? It was a very attractive blonde woman. I can show you the house where I was assaulted. I don't think that'll be necessary, said Officer Tracy. Why not? Between you and me, I'm assuming the house is old and abandoned? Well, yeah, it is. And I assume that if we go there, we won't find any evidence of a crime being committed there? I couldn't say. You picked the woman up last night. She was hitchhiking? He nodded. That's Pegging Sue, explained Officer Tracy. She's been a local legend around here since the early 1960s. Unfortunately, we get two or three cases like yours every year, and one of them happens around Halloween. I guess that's you this year. Oh, crap, she did say her name was Sue, replied Jared. I won't lie to you, said Officer Tracy. I'll investigate, but I very much doubt we'll find anything. You've been the victim of unearthly events. You were assaulted by Pegging Sue. So that's it? 
There's not much we can do about ghosts, spirit, and evil entities, I'm afraid, replied Officer Tracy. My advice to you would be to forget about it, if you can. If you want counseling, I can give you a number. Jared nodded, but in his heart he knew that he would probably never be the same. How does one encounter a creature like that and ever forget about it? If you're enjoying these audios, please, please follow the link to Mistress DJ's site. She does some amazing stuff and has some of the most co uh, competitive prices I've ever seen for doing uh, custom audio clips. Now, um, if you're enjoying any particular stories, I do have um, Jamie Lee going up on the clip sites tonight, and it is very much at a very reduced price because I know it's got some issues. And then um, I have um, Pegging Sue has been up for a while and actually done very well. And then the other two stories, uh, the one you're about to hear next, post-Halloween cuckolding, um, and the story you just heard, are from Claudia's Erotic Tales, and those are up on the clip sites too. So if you're interested in any of these stories, those are the three uh, files on the clip sites to check out. So as I mentioned before, here is uh, from Claudia's Erotic Tales, post-Halloween cuckolding. Claudia's Erotic Tales by Kylie Gable and Claudia Costa. Claudia's Erotic Tales are published by Candy Apple Press. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. For mature audiences only, all characters are above the legal age. Post-Halloween Cuckolding Everybody knows that Halloween lasts for exactly one day, October 31st. People who love Halloween, regardless of age, run around like crazy to get all the fun they can on that one day. However, a secret you should know is that a clever mistress can make Halloween last much longer. Michelle is such a mistress and a good friend of mine. She was dating this loser named Keith for the last year and a half, but any spark they once had was long gone. Unfortunately, they had to stay together because they made a mistake when they were in love and bought a condo together. The building roof collapsed and they needed a new water heater, and now neither of them could afford to leave. Keith was not very well hung, which was something Michelle was willing to overlook during the good times, but now that things had soured, she wanted a good fucking. Even worse, she had found out that Keith had actually been hitting on her. She called up her friends Lauren and Beth, and the two of them came up with a devious little scheme. When Keith came home from work Friday afternoon, he found Michelle dressed in a very sexy police costume with knee-high boots and short shorts. "'What are you dressed for?' he asked. "'I approve.' "'Oh, don't tell me you forgot,' asked Michelle. "'Uh, yeah, I guess so,' admitted Keith. "'What am I forgetting?' "'Remember, my friend Beth got sick and had to postpone her big Halloween party?' "'It's November 9th. Isn't it kind of late for Halloween?' Like I said, she was sick. Did you forget to get a costume? Yeah, I guess so. Just then the doorbell buzzed. Michelle opened the door to see Lauren standing there in a police costume matching her own. Hey, Lauren, guess who forgot a costume? asked Michelle rhetorically. Oh, no, said Lauren. I'm sorry I forgot, said Keith. 
You know, replied Lauren, as if deep in thought, some of your clothes would fit him, wouldn't they? Eh, they might be a little tight, said Michelle. That'd suit us fine. After all, what goes with two cops better than a prostitute? I don't know, protested Keith. I don't want to wear a dress. Then you should have come up with your own costume, said Michelle. They let him into the bedroom. He didn't exactly go willingly, but he didn't really put up a big fight either. Oh, yes, said Michelle with glee as Keith sat down under vanity. How you feeling, girly? Lauren asked Keith, smiling wickedly. Keith scowled at her and didn't answer, and she picked up some liquid foundation. This is going to be fun, said Michelle, grabbing liquid eyeliner. Let's do his, sorry, I mean her, eyes first. Lauren nodded and started to look through Michelle's mascara and eyeshadow collection. She had loads. Michelle put liquid eyeliner around Keith's eyes and genuinely marveled at how much it improved his appearance. Who's doing eyeshadow, she asked, and Lauren volunteered. I found a super pretty lilac glittery eyeshadow here. Perfect. I'd never wear that, said Michelle. Keith blinked rapidly and Laura scolded him. Eyes still, she said. We can't give you pretty eyelids if you keep moving them. Now keep them closed. Keith kept his eyes closed as Lauren applied a generous amount of lilac glittery eyeshadow. Eyes open, she said, and Keith complied. Hmm. More liquid eyeliner, I think, she said. Michelle still had it in her hand, so she took over. Eyes closed again, Keith, she said. Once again, he did as he was told. Michelle applied more liquid eyeliner over the eyeshadow and waited for it to dry a little before she said, Eyes open. The two policewomen looked at him in the mirror. Lovely, Michelle said. Now I'll put the mascara on. She told Keith to keep his eyes open as she put this on. Then the two women sincerely felt proud of how good his eyes looked. Time for lips, said Lauren. She started to look through the vast amount of lip makeup Michelle owned. Lauren applied a layer of wet-looking pink lipstick to his lips. Pretty girl, cooed Michelle. As Lauren had been applying the lip liner, Michelle had already been looking for the most appropriate gloss for the occasion and found one that was mainly pink but had glitter in it. Pink and glittery, how pretty, she said, and started to coat Keith's lips with it. We still haven't done foundation, exclaimed Lauren. Just a temporary oversight, said Michelle. Let's fix that. Let's go for powder, Lauren said, and got a puff ready to apply it. Then, blusher afterwards. Lauren and Michelle laughed out loud. I never thought of blusher, Michelle shrieked, and set about looking for the brightest one. Hasn't this gone far enough, pleaded Keith. Maybe next time you'll remember a costume, said Lauren. Michelle applied the foundation to make Keith's face look doll-like, and Lauren did the finishing touches to his cheeks using rosy red blusher. Pretty, said Michelle. Now let's get him dressed. The girls had put Keith into some of Michelle's sexiest lingerie, black thigh highs and a bright red garter belt, push-up bra and g-string panties, a pair of extremely sexy red four-inch heels, a shiny red blouse with enough buttons undone to allow a glimpse of bra and a black leather miniskirt completed Keith's slutty look, along with big hoop earrings, about a half a bottle of perfume, and a flaming red long curly wig that Keith had no idea Michelle owned completed the look.
As the girl showed Keith his reflection in the mirror, he could scarcely believe it. You really got carried away. I think you look great, said Lauren. Yeah, lover, you're going to knock em dead, said Michelle. The three of them drove to the Halloween party together, with Keith driving, Michelle riding shotgun, and Lauren in the back seat. As soon as the three of them walked out of the car, Lauren sprung on Keith from behind. She twisted his right wrist behind his back, and his left soon followed. Michelle hurried and applied her handcuffs. "'What the hell are you doing?' complained Keith. "'Relax. It's for the costume,' said Lauren. "'We'll let you out after everybody has seen you.' "'No, absolutely not!' Keith was cut off by Lauren, shoving a penis gag into his mouth and buckling behind his head. He was not only gagged, but now had a dick sticking in his mouth, and a bigger one sticking out. "'Let's go inside,' said Michelle. "'It's the only way you're going to get that stuff off.' Keith had no leverage in those ridiculous heels he was wearing. He allowed the girls to walk him inside, where he discovered that nobody else was in costume. He started to protest and rebel, but the two girls quickly maneuvered him to the middle of the couch, where Lauren used her own cuffs to attach him in place. The entire party was laughing at the show as Beth greeted her two friends. Everybody, announced Beth, this is my new sissy maid. I'll be training her for the next few weeks. I need maid service, and my dear friend Michelle needs this bitch trained. Keith struggled, but found the actual police handcuffs that the girls had used on him unbreakable. Lauren and Michelle went upstairs and came down in a couple of sexy outfits that fit in much better with the party. Beth sat on the couch next to Keith, while a tall man with a dark beard sat on the other side, softly stroking his thigh. In time, Peter, said Beth, in time. Just after midnight, Michelle left with the guy she met at the party. She blew Keith a kiss, even as she walked away in another guy's arms. Keith grunted into his gag, but only Beth seemed to hear. Ah, don't worry about that, sissy. You have so many other things to learn. There's so many dresses and shoes and makeup and lingerie in your future. That's what you should be worried about. Keith could see out the window, where Michelle's date had her pinned against his car and was lifting her dress up. He could only cry in frustration. I hope you have enjoyed our Halloween-themed show. This particular episode is actually our last one for a while. November is National Novel Writing Month, and I like to take that month to work on some non-erotic writing. And I have some audios out being recorded. So, we're just going to call 24 episodes, which I'm pretty proud of, our first season. And we'll be back with our second season, beginning... Uh, in the first week of December, whatever that Monday is. Um, not sure offhand. And then um, we'll be having a new episode um, every week after that, as long as audios hold out. So I hope you'll be back to join me for that. It's been a lot of fun so far. I've worked with some amazing women, some very successful women. Um, and they have added so much to these audios when... I, you know, wrote them, and they were just words on a written page. They didn't come alive the way they do when these really talented and amazing women uh, read them. So this is 24 episodes. I don't think I ever expected it would last this long, and the audience has been growing every week. 
Um, if you want to see more great content, we definitely appreciate subscribers. We definitely appreciate five-star reviews, all that good stuff. And um, I hope you have a wonderful Halloween. I have kind of been in a situation now. It's a very long story. If you know about my background in college, one of the girls who first feminized me kind of consensual, non-consensual blackmail. Um, I'm a Disney princess every year. Last year it was Jasmine. The year before was The Little Mermaid. The year before that was Belle. And now this year my costume is going to be Cinderella. So it's going to be an interesting Halloween for me. I hope it is for you too. Have a wonderful month and I'll see you back that first Monday in December. Take care.